If you're listening to this podcast on a runaway train on your Android device, well, it's probably a little bit late to change Android podcast apps, but if you're so inclined and you got the time, I mean, it depends on, I guess, what point in your runaway train journey this is occurring, but perhaps you have enough time to check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Thousands of positive reviews touting all the features people like. I encourage you to go check it out and see see what the people like about it. Maybe you'll find a, a, a new podcast player for a new year. You might say that the your favorite podcasts crash into your phone like a runaway train. Oh my God, the synergy. The, the synergy, They folks. speed to your phone. You don't have to think about it. There's nothing you can do about it. They just show up. <laughs> they just Once show up. Once you favorite them, they're showing up. That's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. If you haven't done it yet, head on over to patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s and check out our Patreon website. If you become a member at the $5 tier, you get 13 plus hours of bonus content right off the bat. All that back content is yours. You get a special RSS feed so it downloads all to your phone for easy listening. You can put it in whatever app you like to listen to. Or, of course, there is the Patreon one as well. And you get a lovely sticker, a welcome email, and a welcome hand letter. Well, we, the letter is printed on we the official Dissecting letterhead, but hand-signed, hand-signed. And the, and the uh, RSS feed is a pretty color. It's different color than the regular. That's Maybe right. If you're an aesthetic right. person. It's a custom artwork and everything. So check out patreon.com slash Dissecting80s and see if you have, see if there's a member tier that's right for you. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who I assume at some point in this episode is going to turn my bones to dust when I make a reference to Soul Asylum's Runaway Train, and he looks at me with a blank, confused stare. The Macho Mandro. Andrew Lano. Yeah, the, the I, Crazy Train is like my, my train song that I can think of. Yes. I don't know yes, who sings that, a, but I, I... That's Ozzy Osbourne. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, in my head, it sounds way less metal. He, he oh, had a, like, train. That one? Yeah, oh. yeah he, he had like a pop, poppier phase after he left Black Sabbath. Oh. It's still metal. Like, I would still put it it's in the It's like how Taylor Swift metal. was like diet country. He was like diet metal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just... A little poppier is all. I it just I think it's the aesthetic of the music. I don't think it, I wouldn't call it pop music, no, but it's but more of like a mainstream a hard rock than than a metal uh, thing. Also, thought you but were no, gonna I go was... with the guy who I would I would I would go on a like I would break out of jail with. <laughs> that seemed like the the low hanging fruit there. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but I I just know there's going to be multiple references to Soul Asylum's Runaway Train from 1993, yeah. and you are going to be like, huh? No, and I'm going to turn to dust. Yeah, uh, I was one year old coming back. Yeah, but it's been played like I was barely cognizant of music. I wasn't like a big Soul Asylum fan at six. I know that. It's just I mean, like knowing you, you could have been. <laughs> like if that was in the back of your trading card I wouldn't be like shocked <laughs> yeah. Never coming back Run away Oh you know train. what I've heard that song at karaoke Okay alright there you go Alright I, I didn't turn to dust then I've definitely uh, heard We are of course <laughs> We are of course goofing on the title Of 1985's Runaway Train As the final film of this two part Canonuary 2021 So you know what that means we gotta go back. 
we gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your long, boring movie that should be super exciting. Someone's gonna watch your long, boring movie that should be super exciting. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So I do want to say, right off the bat, that this is a type of movie that really doesn't exist much anymore. What, what type would that be? The type that I think this best fits into is not your disaster movie, because it does have some elements of that. Obviously, the title is Runaway Train. But what this really is, is the crisis at the workplace drama you're taking of pelham one two three so it's not you would you wouldn't you wouldn't put this on par with a speed so speed has a lot of similar elements with this i think it's a great it's an obvious uh parallel that you would draw but what speed doesn't have to me and maybe i just don't remember it because it's been a while but i don't remember the parts of speed where it's a bunch of people in the control room and there's a crisis and everybody's all hands on deck trying to solve this problem. And it's, it's really a workplace situation. The, the parts of this movie that I think are my favorite, uh, believe it or not, or maybe not my favorite, but the parts that work the best for me as, as a movie movie are the parts where they're not on the train, but we're in the control room and like everyone's having a panic attack. Everybody's sweaty. The ties are all getting yanked down and they're, all panicked trying to figure out how to solve this problem. Okay. I can I, I think in theory I would like those scenes in the practice of this movie. Th- my biggest issue I, I didn't like this movie. That's spoiler alert. Yeah. Did not like it. I I found that it sh- like the idea of this movie is cool. It's two escaped convicts on a train that ends up through no fault of their own becoming a runaway train. Right. And People are don't know that they're on it. Trying like that concept is is very high octane, very energy. Like there's energy and there's tension to it. But the way they made this movie was like no tension. There was I felt very little tension in the scenes where I was like, this should be an exciting moment of like, oh my god, are they gonna make it? Like I know most of them are gonna make it, whatever. But like. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it bothered me that it was, it felt so boring. Like the movie, it has 20 minutes of B-roll in it and it's an yeah, hour it's, and 50 minutes. If you trim this movie a little bit, I think a lot of what you're complaining about fades. I think a lot of it comes down to the pacing of the movie. And this, despite coming out in 1985, to me, feels deeply 70s yes. in its pace. This is yes. a 70s movie. Slow. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I also I will say like I didn't really like the protag- the two protagonists. Like yes. I don't they they weren't wrongfully convicted. They weren't right. criminals with a heart of gold. They were just convicts who did the thing. And I was like they're yeah. not and but then didn't really have redeeming qualities. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I find so interesting like, about this. Like what's his fa- I thought very... I thought um fake Matthew McConaughey Eric Roberts, yeah, he this perform if this if this movie came out ten to fifteen years after it did, this would have been Matthew McConaughey's role. Very yeah. Energy. Although, although 
specifically they the like Lenny ish qualities of this character would have been scrubbed out at some point in that fifteen. I guess intro. I didn't I didn't catch Lennyisms, but yeah, he he he. He plays this guy as if he's slightly develop- developmentally disabled. I did not I get that. Wanna... Interesting. So I, I totally got him as being, like, in the, not the same, obviously, but, like, in the ballpark of your Dustin Hoffman Rain Man performance. Huh. That might have colored things if I had if I had thought of it that way, but I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I thought it was super fucking annoying. He was, like, Ducky in Land but Before Time. The, the, like, just... The voice... The voice effect to me is like actor trying to play slow person. I got actor and I got actor playing Southern. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I got I got a a I don't want to say stupid. That's that feels like the wrong word when in, in just a breath ago I was talking about it being someone who had uh, was disabled in some way. There's but it's sort of a it's at least. It's at least dumb that he's playing to me. It may not go all the way to your, like, you know, uh, savant character like Rain Man, but mm-hmm. I, to me it felt that way. But interesting. Is it totally interesting that that didn't read for you at all? Because no. I, I, yeah, I got, I got sort of a Lenny vibe. I got, I got dumb Southerner. Interesting. Um, but, like, he has moments of charm, and they happen, like, once, and then it's gone forever. He's, like, annoying in the first ten. And then he has this, like, charming moment in the elevator with the security guard. And then the rest of the movie is, like, nope, back to being an annoying fuck. And I was like, <laughs> no, like, there was something there. We could have... Yeah, yeah. Make me give a shit. Because the two characters that you actually flush out are John Voight and Eric Roberts. They are just full-on convicts, unapologetic convicts. And then the woman you introduce an hour into your movie... She gets 30 lines of dialogue and we're supposed to care about her. Yeah. I, I agree with you about, uh, is it Rebecca? Rebecca Okay. Okay. I, my brain was trying to put a different, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) Rebecca DeMornay. Part of what I think is interesting about this is the thing that you don't like because it's, it's a very non-American hero and I'm not trying to get like up my own ass on this. Do you mean like this? And I mean, I guess you. So you're qualifying more as an antihero. I don't even know if I would call them antiheroes. They're just the protagonist. Okay. Like the protagonist doesn't have to be. I know that good yeah. person that you root for. I Obviously, have a theater you know degree. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not suggesting. Don't that worry. You, that's I'm one of the eight things that I use. <laughs> from my theater degree i'm I'm not trying to teach this to you i'm just discussing the point i think that uh and other people have said this too so the the nugget of story from this this was supposed to be directed it was conceived and written by akira kira i mean i always feel like i'm screwing up saying his name akira kurosawa who is a japanese would have much rather that version well, yeah, of course. But he's, I mean, truly a legend. He is the guy that George Lucas just lifted Star Wars from directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hidden Fortress is a really cool movie. If you've uh, never seen it, worth your time. It is in black and white and subtitled from Japanese, so it obviously has some barriers to watching. But 
literally lifts star like Star Wars almost beat for B is just lifted oh. out of Hidden Fortress. I'm not this is not Trip's theory. Yeah, this, this is accepted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the point where there is basically a C3PO and R2D2 analog in the movie. It's one is a tall thin man and one is a short fat man and they both wear armor that you could totally see if you squinted being robots. Yeah. It's yeah. But it's a I like Hidden Fortress a lot. It's really interesting even if Star Wars didn't exist, it would still be an interesting movie. It's a, also interesting because of the Star Wars connection. But Kurosawa, I mean, legendary director, truly directed uh, Yojimbo, Seven Samurai, tons of movies that you've heard of or you've seen ripped off in, in so many ways. I, I, frankly, I think even to a small level, your movies like Avengers, where there's a big team up, owe a little bit to a Seven Samurai sort of thing. Just, Fair. just in terms of you know, the, the little DNA anyway. So the fact that he conceived this, I think the DNA of his conception is in this. And then you filter that through your leads are John Voight and Eric Roberts, who are talented somewhat. Although I think probably not the former, probably more than the latter <laughs> people. I probably wouldn't want to spend time with personally. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I might do a meet and greet it. with John Voight, but anything more I, than I that, don't think so. anything more than that, I'm like, no. I'll take the free. I'll take the you. next elevator. Like, I would not get on an elevator with John Voight. Yeah. So, so, so you filter through that. Plus, you filter through the director is also the same guy who directed Tango and Cash. So, which I think I he think does. I hated. No, no, we both kind of liked it. Okay. It was it was one of those little like, oh, this is this is charming. Did I tell you that one of the two of the dogs at my boyfriend my boyfriend works at a dog hotel. He's the receptionist in a pet care tech. Two of the dog he was like, Oh yeah, this this he was like showing me pictures of one. He was like, That's Tango, that's Cash. And I was like, I beg your pardon? <laughs> and he was like, Did you teach him yeah. did you teach him how to do an impression of uh <laughs> no. of our old pal uh Tango and Cash? No, I did not. <laughs> but yeah, there's two dogs at work named Tango and Cash. Stay tuned, by the way, folks, 2021, I found the one impression I can do, so we are desperately trying to find other ways to shoehorn. <laughs> I can't even remember his gosh dang name. I can't either. I have a lot of impressions, so I don't, I don't pay attention Jack to Palance. Jack Palance. Oh, Jack, Jack Palance. Jack Palance. <laughs> he was in a horror movie that also starred Donald Pleasance and another favorite in the of ours, 90s? so it's a... No, in the 80s. So it's a foregone conclusion. That, that, that will yeah. show up. And, the, we, oh, and yeah. Donald and, and Jack will have a conversation. <laughs> They'll exactly. we'll bring him in for an interview with each other. It will be it will be mostly impressions of those two people. We'll have an actor's roundtable of me, Jack Palance, and Donald Pleasance uh, mediated by Trip. He's also in Young Guns, which is a thing that's just like guaranteed thought, to come at some point. I thought Young Guns was the, the hockey movie with the butts. With a lot of butts. No, that's Young Blood. No. Young Guns is the Emilio Estevez Western. Oh. Every time there's a generation of like hot teens, they give them a Western. So in the 80s, it was the Emilio Estevez guys. That's that's Young Guns. And they made two of those. Uh, you got your Kiefer Sutherland. You got a Lou Diamond Phillips in there. A Charlie Sheen. A Dermot Mulroney. There's a there's a lot. We'll be getting into huh. young guns. Don't you worry, it's coming. They, but they stopped giving hot young teens westerns. That is not true because in 2005, I just discovered this. There's a movie I believe called American Outlaws, which stars Ali Larder and also Ali Larder. 
Yeah, yeah, it's Buckwild. It's uh, Ali Larder. I haven't watched this yet, but it's it's a guarantee I, that it's going to happen. Huh. It's called American Outlaws. I was right about that. And it stars Colin Farrell and Ali Larder and Scott Kahn. Oh. And Kathy Bates and Timothy Dalton. It's just like I mean, all the things. Kathy Bates. Always. Yeah. Uh, and it was directed by Les Mayfield, who you might know better. That name sounds familiar. Uh, as uh, the guy who directed Encino Man and Flubber. Oh, <laughs> Flubber. He may have been. That might be producers. Hold on. Let me be. Let me be. No, he directed Flubber. So uh, kind of a weird career. That is a very that, weird that, career. That guy had. Well, I just learned today that Brian De Palma directed Mission to Mars for Disney in 2001. Wow, that's uh, entirely a un- unexpected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got really deeply sidetracked, and I don't remember where I started. So, uh, uh, in- oh, director Kang- Tango Hatch. So, just remember that we're filtering Akira Kurosawa, legendary esteemed director whose name I'm terrified I'm pronouncing wrong, and people out there are like you. That sounds fought. right. I know, but I just. I'm going to be in my head about it the whole time. So you're filtering this through the director of Tango and Cash into John Voight and Eric Roberts. So I just feel like a little bit of leeway is in, is is both necessary and important. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I don't need him to be, I don't need it to be that, like, John Voight is, you know, stole $2 million and gave it all to cancer, children's cancer research. Like, I don't need that. Like, he doesn't have to be full-on Jean Valjean in Les Mis, but, like... Sure. Give me something like I think I think they really just want you to get behind the idea that nobody wants to be like everybody desires to be free. And that's what his his whole character motivation. He's not a good guy. He just has this innate basic human desire, this yearning to be free. Yeah. Well, don't don't be a habitual bank robber. Like it's then you don't go to jail and then <laughs> freedom <laughs> feels easier. <laughs> I agree. You know what I mean? Obviously, obviously <laughs> like if he didn't like, have banks, he wouldn't be in prison. It feels like you are the, putting your foot on, like, putting the pedal down. If you don't do that, you don't crash into the wall. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that that as a character motivation works for me. I get I get where he's coming from. I, you don't need to be a good guy to not want to be in prison. Like, you don't have to be. Not every prison movie needs to be they were wrongfully accused and they had to. You know what I mean? I, I kind of enjoy that this is just a movie about two criminals who bust out of prison. I don't know. I, did, I, I, I guess I just like didn't care for. I didn't really care about either of them as people because I was like. I'm over like you're there's no sense of like hey even if it even if it was as simple as like I've changed I don't want to be a criminal anymore but the warden hates me so I've never all of my like appeals have been rejected like something like that that's like he's not like a magic do-gooder who is wrongfully convicted he's like someone who's reformed yeah. and like wants to live outside the walls but the f- warden hates him something like that I think would have helped me I get you. I, I think that's a totally valid criticism and a totally reasonable way that this didn't work for you. I, I have no also, argument to make against you. In the original draft, he was a killer. Yeah. He in one version he killed his wife for cheating on him, and then in others he was a serial killer. And it feels like they they like just control F replaced that and didn't really 
do much because in the beginning, John Voight is. I have to say, I have literally said the sentence out loud to other people that bank robbers are the one criminal that nobody, as long as you don't kill anyone or shoot anybody, mm-hmm. people who rob banks are the most universally beloved criminal. Everybody hates the bankings, I, the banks, well, the banking yeah. system oh, at large. I have no problem. And, I have no issues with being a bank robber. And secondarily, when you rob a bank, they have insurance. So the only person who gets hit is the insurance company, which also, most people also hate. Yeah. So it's like there's the, the crime is essentially victimless and they, they steal money. You know who like, loses? No, rich people. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so I've said this many times that bank robbers are the most universally beloved criminals because there's no victim. I'm. If they don't hurt anyone, if they just walk in and steal money and leave, there's no victim, and everybody's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. He runs I'm fine with it's, that. However, it's a romantic crime. They basically treat him like he's Hannibal Lecter. They welded yes. him into a cell for three years, and I was like, for yes. robbing a bank? No, it's not it's like he's he like, a- hey, I, I pulled off a fucking Die Hard 2 level robbery, right? That was a big, that was all the gold, right? Right, right. Like, it's no, that's Die Hard Three. Is the gold in the dump truck? Oh, I I confuse my diehards. Like it, it, the movie doesn't say that. Like, oh, he pulled, he robbed Fort Knox, and he's the world's most dangerous robber. They're like, he robbed a bank. No, he gets put in the hell in the cell, uh, or sorry, in the hole because the the warden is such a dickhead. They like clash. That's why he gets put away. The warden hates him and tries to break him. But like. I- I guess I kind of wanted more of like, why? Like, what happened? No, I'm with you. Did I, they fight? All of the things you're saying. Did he come yeah. in first day, spit in the warden's eye? Like, I need a morsel. So, like, your movie is an hour and well, fifty it says he, minutes long. It says he broke out two times, and that's what happened. Like, he broke out two times. They caught him, and then they put him in the hole. Okay, I can see that. But like welding the door shut feels like it's it's dark. Feels it's like dark. The, your Hannibal Lecter, you eat, you killed and ate little girls. Like that's yeah, the, that is that level of crime. Not you robbed a bank. The prison in this is absolutely one hundred percent from the same man that brought you the prison in Tango and Cash. Like it's a one to one direct oh, correlation of a person. Also, who the has prison a, from Dark Knight Rises. Where, right, but where a, Catwoman um, does that weird flippy dippy. Right, but I'm just saying there's a direct line between those two things of what this director thinks of what prisoners are like. These prisoners are allowed to have fire freely. Well, they aren't freely allowed to have fire. They're setting fires because they presumably have cigarettes and stuff. But the, the, like, watchman lets them do it. He's watching them and, like, doesn't say, hey, stop that. Well, (laughs) okay. We're on a runaway train in terms of not talking about the plot and being 20 minutes into the podcast. So I want to put a two pin convicts in that. get on a runaway train. There's the plot. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'm just saying we should proceed the way we normally do. And then we can pick up the threads of these things that we've okay. started the conversation with. We're, we're like planting some seeds that we will then harvest as they're appropriate down the line. Okay. So. We're in a prison. There's some news coverage, and we find out that the the federal government, uh, the, the this appeals court, I believe it's appeals court. I think it's an appeals says, court. Says that uh, Manny something that or other welding a man be. into a cell for three years <laughs> is illegal. <laughs> yes, so they have to let him out of solitary. And Manny, uh, who were only I bet those lawmakers about- patted themselves in the back for that one. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, we really saved the day here. Anyway. 
the the whole prison loves this guy. They have a relationship with Manny that is akin to the way the prison has a relationship with uh, Morgan Freeman's Red in Shawshank yeah, Redemption. Yeah, I can see that. Which, which is weird because mostly he seems like a terror. Yes, that's what I don't get. He seems like the guy that nobody wants to f with because he has the reputation as the you know the biggest baddest man in the cell cell block and therefore everyone likes him it's 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 not respect alone it's they like this guy yeah well and also somehow the reporters know that i could see that they so you can interview people who are in prison in some states what i, I don't think, know what alaska's laws are again this movie is an hour and 50 minutes trim out the 20 minutes of b-roll of like just us a, a a, lo- a wide shot of a train in the countryside because who who needs it? I mean, it's so beautiful. It's pretty. You have you have to admit runaway that- train. Not call me by your name. <laughs> like I okay. I I agree with you in principle, but I do want you to have to say something nice. And then it is the the the, the cinematography of this movie is amazing. But it's like so good. Okay, but it's just like not necessary. <laughs> It's like you take a, you pause the movie to watch a screensaver for a few minutes. Yeah, no, it's not it's not the best. So like trim out all that fat and instead give me 5 minutes of at the beginning of like show me like pretend it's you're, we're watching a TV and show me like an exposé on this prison where they interview prisoners and they expose that he is, you know, welded into his cell and then that can be the impetus for like, oh, that's been exposed. Now we have to do something about it. Da 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 da. And then I then a lot of little questions I have are answered. I'm with you. I think that makes a lot of sense. The Very uh, the what is the is it Eastern State? Was it the Little Children? Bless the Little Children documentary. Was that Eastern State Penitentiary? I. I'm vaguely aware of that title, but I don't know what it, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm it was an asylum of some kind. I thought it was Eastern State, but I could be misremembering. Jack is, okay. Jack, if Jack is listening to this, which he's not, he's screaming. <laughs> I do want to point out that the cinematographer on this movie uh, is the man behind The Watcher in the Woods, a very cool looking but boring 80s movie. It's a um, Disney horror, quote, quote. Yes, yes. But also has been on this show many times. Return of the Jedi, director of photography. Oh. A View to a Kill, director of photography. Life Force, director of photography. Wow. This is his fourth appearance on the program. Wow. Is the is Watcher in the Woods uh, the lead actress in that is... <sighs> it's Betty Davis. Betty Davis, and... thank you. That was... Okay. Yeah, it's it's a interesting, cool looking movie that's is super boring. I watched it in my horror binge this this last October. Is it ninety? It's just like uh, the the runtime. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's right about that. Okay. But it's 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 very slow. Well, I can it's, scrub it's more, through. It's way more boring than this. Okay, way more. Anyway, so they release John Voight from from solitary. And he, I just I don't know if you caught this. The rest of the movie it's not so noticeable, but there's a shot here in Solitary. His teeth are genuinely horrifying. He looks like Christopher Lloyd's baked bean teeth in Dennis the Menace. I <laughs> it's been a minute since I watched Dennis Whoa, the Menace. That's, that wasn't like Isn't a he the that wasn't, Isn't he like the, the No no Christopher Lloyd is the homeless 
murderer. I don't he I don't remember what the character is. So he could be an escaped convict. He could just be a homeless man. Huh. He could, like he literally could be anything. He is a person who is some type of untethered from society person. He's got stringy hair or oh, whatever. Okay. But he had I remember he had these horrifying teeth and it, it stuck with me obviously because I can't Apparently. tell you any other detail, but yes. Uh, anyway, John Void's teeth in the prison cell are deeply horrifying. It looks like they locked him in there with no toothbrush. And only cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, but the warden gives like a big bad speech here of, oh, you're you're rotten scum and I'm the I'm the king of this prison and I'm the, the man in charge. I'm basically God. Da, 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 kind Give of me John Voigt accidentally killed his daughter in the bank robbery. Give me like literally anything. <laughs> Because I just, I really, I, I really truly do believe though. It's just that like you want these characters to be more human relatable. And I just don't think this movie wants to do that, which is fine. I think your criticism is valid. I think it does prevent you from connecting with them in any way, but I really think the movie's point is they're sort of, you know, John Voight is a bad guy. And also the bad guy of this movie is a bad guy. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's just I think not good people. It just becomes like not enjoyable to watch then for me. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I think that's a reasonable. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I, I can't watch a television show with this as the premise. I It doesn't bother me as much on, on for two hours. Movie. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Uh, like I could never get into Mad Men because I was like everybody on screen is a sociopath and I hate them. There's nobody to root for. I, want, I do. I want to get into Mad Men. I, I love mid-century modern shit. As I've got, I want vintage toys. Like, I I have in my e- my eBay watch list is like, nineteen sixties Easy Bake Oven, vintage Barbies. I want to get into Mad Men, but it it wouldn't shock me if it turned out that you really liked it. I just was like, I couldn't get in past that hump. I do also want to say that if you put someone in solitary confinement for three years, they would genuinely lose their mind. There, this is not so. I, his solitary this is not debatable. His well, no, 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 not that, but. I, I wouldn't even call it his thing solitary confinement because he's in the, like, it seems like their cages or whatever are all open and everyone can just wander around and do whatever the hell they want. And his, his little cage is right there. It's not like he's like hidden away with only a little like slidey window for food. It's a, it's a bar. It looks like a regular jail cell. It does. But then they put that door over top of the jail cell. That's the one they I didn't open. see the door over that little top. slot. Oh, you, the big, there's like a big production of them, like, creak opening, and it's like exactly what you just described with like the little slot thing. Oh, I don't remember. I, I must have missed that. He's behind like a steel fortress door with the window slit. I must have missed and that. And they completely. open that, and behind that is a, you know, the jail bars, okay. the jail, okay. jail cell normally. Retracted. So John Voigt carries his mattress in the snow for. I don't know, jail stuff, I guess. I think they just make him take it to his new bunk. Okay. And he talks to his friend who, hey, he has a friend in jail. Maybe this character will become important later. Absolutely (laughs) not. He gets beat up and takes an Uber out of the fucking movie. (laughs) It does does seem like that would be the character he would be on the train with, but I think that... Or the character that that gets beat up by the warden and we watch that happen for, like, where is he? Yeah. He does say that he's going to escape with this guy, and I think him getting injured... Yeah, well, he says, like, I'll wait for you. I still want to go through the plan. I'll wait for you. And the guy says no. But, like, 
there's I was expecting the warden to like beat him up, rough him up, something yeah. that's like, yeah. tell me where John Voight is. Yeah, no, I think that would be a good scene. And perhaps one that was shot and not put in the movie, frankly. They also have this weird ass moment that like I just have to talk about. Like it's this okay. movie has some weird gay sprinkles throughout. Oh yeah, yeah. This is one of them. So like John Voight is talking to other old white man. They look indistinguishable other than a mustache. I would argue that they don't look indistinguishable because John Voight has the weirdest mustache other than the I've ever mustache. seen on a person it's in It's like a, movie. a weird it's I'm trying to think It's a steampunk mustache. <laughs> it's very steampunk. <laughs> it's like he did I was expecting him to take out a top the, hat with <laughs> gears all over it and be like a pocket he has a little time. pocket watch that like stops time. It's been a long time since I've been out here in the real world. Excellent anaconda. <laughs> We're only doing John Voight in anaconda impressions. With on a this who knows what kind of accent. <laughs> Cajun fried stupid is what that that that. Uh, I still that cannot is. believe that Roger Ebert loved that movie. It's, it's Raj it, had. It, I mean, I will say anaconda holds up. I watched it recently. And also, Roger appreciated a big, dumb movie. Like, he understood that sometimes you just want to watch nope. monsters smash it, like, around. No, because in his review, he says it's like a slick script that's that that, is, that knows how to, like, is funny. Like, he, it is not, hey, this is like a fun, dumb thing. He, like, commends things that you're like, really? I, I would argue that I agree with that. I think the script for Anaconda is a good script. It's exactly the right. It's a Tremor script. It's exactly. Yeah, it is a Tremor this, script. This is, this is the key part. The scenario is stupid and no character treats it that way is I think the key for me with that. Type I can agree with that. Like inherently it's dumb that there's a giant snake that can swallow people whole. Inherently that's stupid. Giant snakes exist, of course, but the one in Anaconda it's is preposterously big. larger. Yeah. But no character in the movie at any point is like, this is absurd. <laughs> like they're just, oh shit, a big snake's about to eat me. Well, I think in the kayfabe, it's it's real. Like they know it's real. Yes. But also, like, they know it's real in Tremors. They know there's a Tremor. No, I no, no, no. I think in the... No, I mean, in Anaconda, they're filming a documentary about a tribe of people that worship a giant man-eating snake. Yes, but no one has seen the snake. Oh, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, that would... I feel like knowing that... It, I don't know. We don't... This is not a Tremors man. podcast. <laughs> I mean, this is not an Anaconda <laughs> <Nor> Anaconda. <laughs> uh, so there's this weird... But there's this weird moment where, like... Um, Eric Roberts is like behind them, like horse, like roughhousing with a guy. Like he's kind of puppy dogging yeah. John Voight and John Voight is asking the other old white man, like, Oh, what's his deal? And he says, I don't remember. Exa- he says something to the effect of like, well, he's not very strong, but he can push the laundry cart. And then they do the laugh. He's not very smart, but he can is push that the right? laundry cart. Oh smart. Yeah. And then they do the laughter equivalent of that predator hand grip moment. <laughs> where like, you son of a bitch. They like, I think they touch foreheads and just go. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> Is this a, doesn't come back later. That doesn't, a, a moment, like that doesn't get repeated later. So like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, I. I, I'll tell you my reading of it, but I do not intend this as a defense of it. I don't need to defend it. I just give me anything. My my reading of it is they 
are going to set him up to be the patsy. So they're going to break out and he's going to get blamed for helping them. And that helps them in some way. Okay, sure. Okay. Like he's a useful idiot is my. Read yeah. Of okay. I, mean, I can laughter. see that. But that I would, if that laughter scene exists on YouTube, we have to post it because <laughs> it's, it is truly buck wild and like, huh? I would be surprised. This movie is kind of hard to find, uh, believe yeah. it or not. It's not even available for a w- rental at a lot of places. It's specific. Oh, Thank weird. God for the local library. <laughs> so these prisoners are allowed to box and have normal clothes, which... They, yeah, they give them boxing shorts and shoes and stuff, which is very No, but strange. everyone in the crowd, like, it, I, think it bo- I think one dude's wearing a, like a Garfield t-shirt with a coffee mug that's like, I hate Mondays. Like, there's normal clothes <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> That strikes me as canon more than like a Tweety else. Bird, cannot, like not yeah. a morning person with like the an eye air, mask on. <laughs> they have an airbrushed boardwalk T-shirt that's like I'm with. Steve yeah, it's like a arrow. knee length airbrushed like swimsuit cover up <laughs> like, T-shirt. It's a triple XL, triple tall. Yeah, Tasmanian devil shirt. Yeah, he's got ice cream and he's like, what a beach. Life's a beach. Rehoboth. Rehoboth Beach, 1994. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, that's what I was weird that I was like, they're allowed to have regular clothes? I thought this that was a hard I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, I didn't notice that. But that's 100% a canon film's like, we cannot, we don't have the budget for 200 prison uniforms. We can only afford, we can it's afford. Not even, we can, they're not even, like, black and white, stripey, like, <laughs> this silent film. They're just, like, the denim. Right. The but I Hooper, just think they, the Hooper they special. Like, we have, we can either have... 10 prisoners in the uniform or 80 prisoners without the uniform you pick. That is what we have the budget for. Okay. But did you notice who his boxing opponent was? That's one of the other reasons I found this movie interesting. So did you do the the research Uh on this part? Okay. Uh, uh, For for those of you out there, this is Danny Trejo's first on-screen appearance. He did do a voice in a dub of a Jackie Chan movie two years earlier, Mm -hmm. which is on IMDb, but seems odd to me that he would have gotten that job as a non-actor. I don't know what the deal is. That might be uh, an IMDb mistake. I, I didn't dig into it. But... Since 1985, this is his first credit, they paid him $320 a day to teach Eric Roberts how to box, and then basically went from teach him how to box to you look great, like you look like you would be in prison, and he's like, yeah, I was. Well, so, so no, so Joan, uh, for, uh, John Voight's other old white man friend's name is Jonah, and apparently he knew Danny Trejo. I don't know if it was through, because they both were I in prison. I think through prison. They both yeah. were in prison? I thought so, I couldn't remember. Um, and so he got Danny Trejo the train the like training job, and then the training yes. job became <laughs> so prison begat training job, training job begat boxing partner job, and then he got paid three hundred twenty five dollars a day, and he was like, "Wow, that's more money than I ever made robbing banks or however yeah. criminal af- enterprise he did." Right. And the director was like, "This guy's great. Let's get him into SAG." And then since then, Danny Trejo has been in three hundred. He has three hundred and ninety-eight acting credits on his IMDb. I always love Danny Trejo. Anytime he shows well, up, guy, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, Danny." He's a guy who shows up in your student films. Like, <laughs> yeah, weird stuff. Honestly, people will just give him like, "Hey," people will get in touch with him, and be like, "Will you be in my movie?" And he's like, "Okay." And they're very low budget, whatever. So he's a guy that just like well, likes to do. He's this. in Spy Kids. 
Well, he's good, good friends with Robert yeah, Rodriguez. But that's, so he's in he's... Spy Kids as Machete, and then Machete had his own series of movies. So yes. like, but it's the same character, right? Yeah, that's Robert Rodriguez uh, in a nutshell. But he, I love the, Danny Trejo, I love the the RRCU. To go to go back to uh, the SATs, which I don't think these are even on the SATs anymore. Oh no, the no, analogy, they got replaced with um, essay. I, I whatever. I, it's, Analogies used to be on the SATs. Yes, I was, I was, I was good at them. That was like a, a, a sweet spot for me. But to make the analogy, Danny Trejo is to Robert Rodriguez as Dick Miller is to uh, uh, oh, Joe Dante. Joe Dante, thank you. I was like, I'm gonna get three. Qu- I literally started this with all four names, and I was like, I'm gonna lose one on the way <laughs> to the end, the final station. I was like, I, well, I almost said, I was like, Roger Corman. Which would have worked too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's just a very small scene with Danny Trejo, but it's, it's he's he's good to see him. The boxing oh, Danny looks Trejo good. also at Anaconda. Yeah, he is also an Anaconda for like one minute <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the boxing looks good here. It's not big theatrical boxing well, like Rocky. I mean, it looks it's like real boxing. Danny Trejo, who probably learned how to box, like learned how to fight in prison, so it's kind yeah, of, it's yeah. real like dirty looking. And I think he has legitimate boxing training. As oh, well. really? Yeah, uh, I didn't Google, so don't get mad at me if that's wrong. I'm sorry. So they're watching the fight, and then John Voigt goes to pee, and we get super stylized slow-mo, which is the first time this happened, so I bet this yeah. is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone tries to stab John Voigt, and John Voigt is like, pulls a Wolverine, <laughs> <laughs> and like hits the guy with a stool and then the guy stabs him through the hand and it's super gnarly looking. It's a great, it looks really good. A great effect. And then the warden boss like opens fire, like his guards open fire into the crowd. And I was live, live rounds by the yeah. way, not rubber bullets, oh, yeah. not tear gas. They just open fire into a crowd. Of and people. I was like, Oh, so he, the warden asked this dude to stab John Voigt so that he could shoot him. And I was like, there are, a hundred ways that you as the warden of a maximum security <laughs> prison in Alaska could kill someone. This yeah. is like the most con like for leave him in the snow. I'd like chain him to a fence in the yard. Like, Hey buddy, there's options here. Alternatively, don't have a blood sport. Yeah. Just don't have a blood sport fight that gets everybody riled up. Perhaps that's a solution. That too. And so... But it does lead to the part that is my favorite in the movie, which is John Voight doing the thing Jennifer Love Hewitt does in both <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summers. I do this constantly. <laughs> he throws both arms out wide and is like, what are you waiting for? You want to look at me? Shoot me. What you are you waiting for? My, snake. <laughs> my wife's just, snake. He just walks around with his arms out like he's Jesus. And then he throws a stool up into the rafters and it doesn't make (laughs) it. He gets close with this stool huck, though, to the point where I was impressed none of the actors up top flinched. Yeah. Uh, because this is a cannon shoot, and you know they were like, just go ahead and huck the stool. We'll figure it out later. I also wanted to know where does it land? Where does it land? We don't, we don't see it. We don't hear it. I know. So I'm. My prediction is, uh, or my thought is that we don't see it land or hear it because it absolutely demolished somebody who was an extra, and they were no, like, no. I'm, ah! I'm picturing that it was like, hey, PA, get on the other side and catch it when he throws it. 
because we got to reuse it. <laughs> okay, so instead the PA, so poor PA has like he's got like hockey gear on and a basket. <laughs> no, they did not supply hockey gear. I didn't he wore say Cannon own... supplied the hockey gear. He wore his own bike helmet. I-, I think he was a hockey player and he had it in his trunk. <laughs> but so as John Voight is Jennifer Love Hewitting, which audience i have to say it's very cathartic especially in these trying times throw your arms out spin around scream into the heavens what are you waiting for try it as john voight's distracting everyone jonah shows just is like hey ding dong buddy and just guts the man who stabbed john voight like eviscerates (laughs) him yeah and then they all fight and they get into um uh the infirmary there's like a really odd, it ends on a really odd sort of like push in freeze frame on the dead man. It's very strange. There, so that's what, this movie has weird editing and it was nominated for an Oscar for editing. Yeah. I think a lot of that is the action editing is really clean and really good looking. I and guess, also like you can't, I, most of the, most of the technical awards of the Oscars are just like nonsense. Yeah. Well, also, so we talked about this before. This movie, John Voight and Eric Roberts were both nominated for Oscars for their performances. I don't know why. I don't I don't think these are Oscar performances. I don't think they're Oscar performances with the lens you have now, but if you look at the other people nominated that year, none of those movies are like breakthrough. Well, that's the year long-term. so that's the year Don Amici Amish. Amici. Amici won for Cocoon. And you and I, when we watched that movie, were like, what? Yeah. You won an Oscar for this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that Amici, I think we determined, and I'm not. He's the best in that movie, but like. But I think we determined Amici got the makeup slash lifetime achievement Oscar. Oh, like we didn't give it to you for, we didn't nominate you for right. X or whatever. That, honestly, I lost a lot of interest in the Oscars as I got older and got as a big film nerd was reading about it. And it just got to the point where in the era that I was watching them, it seemed like every other year there was somebody getting a makeup award for when they didn't give it to them and they should have given it to them for this other thing. And it made me think that honestly, we should stop having the ceremony for a while and then you do them retroactively back five years so that you can give everything a little bit of space and so see like what in 2025 resonates. you would celebrate 2020 to 2024 no no no. you would celebrate 2020 alone oh and then in 2020 it would literally be a five-year gap between the movie's release you, and when you award the you know the general american public does not have an attention you can't do that. it no you can't absolutely can't do what i'm talking about but it would Most be a better remember half the movies <laughs> that are nominated the next like that came out the well, year prior that's largely a function of of how we have so aggressively siloed our movies into there is the oscar silo there is the you know the the big family movie silo and there is action blockbusters and then basically nothing else so it, we have just yeah. built only these buildings to put these things in but i like i think you probably would have a completely different set of nominees maybe you'd have obviously you'd have some people that you can recognize instantly but i bet you'd have a wildly different set of nominees if you did this kind of thing and i'm not saying they're actually ever going to do it but i do think it would be interesting to like if we went right now to go okay let me look at 2015 we always i mean it's it's common knowledge that like horror movie actors and actresses just don't get nominated which which would like Lupita Nyong'o in Us, a hunt like I don't was she nominated? She no. might. 
I wasn't sure because I thought us no get out was won the one get the out got uh script script yeah but but and but the the other thing and again this is not trips Oscar beef the podcast but the <laughs> other thing that I have always found baffling even even before I was as big of a nerd about this stuff is why like why is it only like 12 to 15 movies maybe 20 on a different year that fill out all of the categories like it is extremely unlikely that in the same movie you had both or all three of the best director the best actor the best cinematography and the best editing it's very likely that a movie that is not good as a narrative has great editing or one good performance in a crummy movie mm-hmm. and all like all of the like that's always well been thing to me you, of, the suicide squad won an oscar so it's easy for right, a shitty right. movie to have one shining element that gets an oscar <laughs> right it, it in the technical awards that does happen for sure it, stuff yeah. will sneak in for sound design and sound editing and stuff but and the problem is a lot of the people voting on that award don't understand what those things are Myself included, I'm not all that up on that category. Well, that so, so actually that kind of happened with the Emmys. They for RuPaul's Drag Race, they nominated. They were like, "Oh, it's in." They're nominated for makeup and hair for this episode with Lady Gaga in it because they knew Lady Gaga would get attention and get votes. Yeah. Except RuPaul was never in drag in that episode, so they within a week they had to take the nomination away from the makeup crew for Drag Race because they didn't do anything that episode interesting yeah yeah i mean there's all sorts of dumb it's all dumb politicking that's done and whatever like it's fine i'm glad people enjoy it i just have tuned out because also i don't like the kind of movies that they nominate they're not my cup of tea anymore i you don't like parasite not that. though i did enjoy parasite but parasite feels like a crazy anomaly that felt like the makeup for the previous year or the year before that when it was like why is everyone nominated white and then it was like the big course correction of okay we got to do this thing and yeah i think the year before was shape of water for best win and then was was it moonlight was that the year before where blah blah bland got got announced instead of moonlight that that feels right i don't i'm not 100 percent sure but that feels right yeah I was very invested in Guillermo winning because I love that guy. I oh, think, I love like, him. Defi- I really hope there's never a story about she's, how he oh, sucks. Jesus Not Christ. that it matters, but like he and his wife got divorced and I was like, ah! and it was just like two people got divorced and I was like, okay, cool. Sorry that I was invested in your life in that way, but just want to make sure you're not a creep. Let Guillermo um, make a Haunted Mansion movie, please. Yeah. And yeah. a Bioshock movie. He's one of those people that announces too many projects and it Yeah, he announced that Haunted Mansion movie like 10 years ago and we all got yeah, excited never and then happen. we were like, yeah. oh, this was a Guillermo. Yeah. We got Guillermo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, we should talk about the movie we're here to talk about. I guess. Uh, we, we get a, an appearance by podcast, uh, podcast friend-ish, Tiny Lister, yeah. who played Zeus in No Holds Barred, one of uh, my favorite episodes of the show. <laughs> Podcast buddy. Podcast buddy feels feels a better word yeah. for it. And the part I don't understand here, I guess he has them because he boxes, although I can't figure out how he actually got them. But Eric Roberts has brand new boxing shoes that he's giving to Tiny Lister because Tiny Lister's son is a boxer and is training. And he's got John Voight hidden in the laundry cart and he's trying to distract him. And well, Tiny I Lister thought he starts- said the shoes were for the Emmys. No, for the he says for the Golden Gloves. Oh, I thought he never mind. I thought he said Golden Globes, and I was like, <laughs> I was like sneakers with a suit. That feels it's ahead of Very its time. Villain. 
Uh, no, golden gloves. It's a boxing thing. Got it. <laughs> it makes way more sense than... I'm not like regular girls. I, I wear Converse to prom. Exactly. Also, he, he, how... he? I, this is another thing that, like, you have an hour and 50 minute movie and you chose to gloss over the finer points of how John Voight masterminded this escape? How did he get I into mean, this unguarded part of the prison? Well, he he uses the laundry cart to do it, so it's basically glossing over it to get him out in the laundry cart. But so he, Eric Roberts pushes the laundry cart through, with all the guys throw their towels in. When he gets out the door, the guard checks it to make sure no one's hiding in there. And then Eric Roberts goes down like a dark, dimly lit hallway, knocks on a secret door, and John Voight pops out and then climbs in. And I was like, but what? How did you get? Yeah. How did you get there? Right. If you're like prisoner I, number one, you're yeah. you're that evil Kermit in Muppets Most Wanted. Like, how is? <laughs> I don't know. I get it. I get it. I, the The movie is not interested in the escape, and that's frustrating because it's like you think that's exciting. It's an and escape it, and why movie. Is that here? Yeah. No. I I agree. But I think the my assumption is, and again, we were talking about the Golden Globus folks here. It's like it says runaway train. Get him on the goddamn train. What are we doing here? Like, get him out of the prison. I think I would have been I wouldn't have been mad if it was like, give me 20 minutes of a prison escape movie and then an hour and 15 of a train movie. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I think I don't think this is a great movie. I do think it's really I know interesting. That. And I also think for talking about canon movies, this is a weird thing. It it's, is. It's weird that they made a movie like well, this. Well, people people say like like purists like runaway train purists don't like don't like that it was distributed by canon because that kind of colored people's perception of it. Sure, yeah. But it still got nominated for Oscars and shit. So like which right. probably the only canon film to do so. I would guess that's true. If it were wrong, happy bet, to see the tweets. I would bet in this, scratch instance, off. in this instance, I'm happy to see the tweets. Yes. Um, also, I think I find the sound mixing terrible in this movie. That might just that might just be the fact that we're watching it because all these years later, and it's hard to find conversations happen down here. <laughs> and then there's a train. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, we won't we won't die. Chug it, chug it, choo, choo! <laughs> like what's happening? I hate that. Like that's my my biggest pet peeve. Oh, in my movies. biggest pet peeve. I'm yeah. like, if I have to lean in and because tr- if, if I'm watching a movie at night, my boyfriend's already asleep. I I don't have a dial that I can like right. play like a fiddle. I have a, yeah. a broken remote <laughs> that like the volume up and down button is annoying. I I hate I, it. I hate it. I end up genuinely hitting the mute button on 30% of action scenes because I'm in the same boat. I'm watching it. It's like after my girlfriend's gone to sleep and I'm watching the movie at, or I, you know, I have it on, you know, she's reading a book or doing something else. And it's like, I don't want to hear like, <laughs> so uh, when we, uh, when we infiltrate the hideout and it's just, everything just is mixed that it way better. now. Our podcast is run through leveling software because you and I speak at slightly different volumes and it's annoying if I don't do it. And this is a podcast run by a couple of doofuses. Like, come on. Yeah. Run it through a leveler. Gosh. It's so annoying. 
This the, was the scene I was talking part, to where, where <laughs> the homoerotic stuff. I was like, "You're a little early for the home really oh, homoerotic part." Well, no, of the I was going to say the scene in the elevator with Tiny Lister is the the very charming Eric Roberts scene where he like he like knows how he has to distract him, so he like gives him the shoes, and when he's he can't pay, he's like, "You'll get me later." And, like, knows how, like, oh, I have to pick up this nudie mag so that that way it'll just, like, he, like, knows how to play the system. And I was like, if he's this annoying little shit that no one likes, how is he able to, like, game this? He feels he feels like he's, like, a uh, like an artful dodger. I got the impression that Tiny Lister and this guy are friendly and not a lot of people like Eric mm, Roberts. Okay. Maybe I can is, see that. is my read because they seem to have a gen. But I also want to point out, like, not only does Tiny Lister have porn at work, he has a, a lot of porn at work. He has like you go like if you would go into a grandparent's house and you're like, what's this stack of magazines? Oh, it's all catalogs that you from eight years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I will say it is true if they are actually playboys because he does mention Hugh Hefner. There are genuinely great pieces of writing in old Playboy. <laughs> truly, yeah. truly some was of the a, best writers. It, did Gloria Steinem write for Playboy or did she just pose as a playgirl? I do not know the answer to that question. But I can tell you that most of the great fiction writers in, um, um, well, 20th century-ish folks, a, a lot of them appeared in there with short stories. Some great nonfiction writing appeared in Playboy. Mm-hmm. So truly, they did have great articles. However, that's not why people bought them. I don't think that was the driving force behind most purchases of Playboy. And it's just like, what are you doing looking at naked women all at work? Are you doing stuff in that elevator that's wildly inappropriate? Well, it's the same with like in The Shining. There's it's Stephen King. So like it's a Stephen King universe. It's right. The boiler room is just like full of naked ladies. And it's like, right. The boiler room. <laughs> It's a real it's a real movie trope in the olden times since basically movies have no sex in or naked people in them at all anymore in mass uh but even die hard has that moment where oh there's yeah. just a bunch of porn on the wall and it's like anybody with a blue Isn't color it like job inside the wall Isn't it's it's stuck on the wall it's it's it might be inside like a breaker box i cuz for some reason i was picturing that being in the like area where he finds hans gruber where it's like, this is like not... This. It's just before or just after that. Yeah. But but it's like a weird old movie trope of blue-collar workers having pornography around for reasons. Sure. But so he gets him out of the elevator. He 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 wheels the cart into this in this area where you know John Voight can break out. It's very similar to Shawshank, honestly. And we see John Voight crouch down naked, and he's he's naked. Honestly, I I I honestly thought he was masturbating. He's like really aggressively rubbing his thighs, and I was like, "What the? F- what is happening?" And then I realized he was lubing himself up. But then later. We've we never get an explanation so no, for why what I do think this. it is. I think it is body heat. So they're in Alaska. It's thirty below. So what he's doing? Yeah, he's yeah. covering himself in grease and then plastic wrap to trap heat. Oh, I'm ninety nine percent sure. What's the role of the grease with the plastic wrap? Well, I think the grease is like to help. Um, it's like an oil. Like if you like cover yourself in Vaseline, it help. Like Vaseline is a blocker. Huh. I'm guessing. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with that, but that you know doesn't mean it's not because I think it was like it, I think like people in like olden times and like Inuit culture they would use like whale blubber mm. in like I- as an insulating layer. Interesting. I okay, think. I didn't know that, but that's the, the I buy it. That makes sense. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's a naked ass John Voight, and then Eric Roberts has to get naked and grease himself up, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I do like the they they get down into the sewer ish area and they're tromping mm-hmm. through and there's a bar and he gets out a car jack it's and a he great, uses that I, to I've never pop thought of the that. bars. No, I it's great. And then we get a very butch casting of Sundance kid like uh, we got to slide down this pipe. I don't want to do that. Well, that's where we got to go. And then they like launch them out of this pipe. Some some good stunt dumps here. I, I like it a lot. But this isn't the start of me being like, oh, Eric Roberts, just shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> because he he just repeats himself. He's like, "Oh man, it smell it smells so bad down here, man. It's it's it smells terrible, man. It's it's sm- man, it smells it smells." Ter- Shut up. So this is the part of the movie where I thought that's where I got the inkling of him playing somebody. Like, who's- I'm surprised John Voight didn't drown him in the poop. <laughs> Yeah, no, it does seem pretty on brand for this John Voight character, and probably real life. But this Allegedly. is this is this is where I got the Eric Roberts playing the sort of like Dustin Hoffman okay. Rain yeah, Man uh, thing because because uh, this is that, just it, yeah. that's just Rain Man. Like Dustin Hoffman's performance in Rain Man is I just repeat everything and I put an affect on my voice. Also, there's an inexplicable shot. So Eric Roberts left the laundry cart outside their little. Because they went into a building, opened a hatch, yes. opened a manhole to get down. Then there's a shot of the uh, of the laundry cart outside the building alone, and what looks right. like a flashlight coming around the corner. And I was like, "Oh, we're gonna see someone discover the laundry cart. It's gonna set in set some action in motion." No, we just see the laundry cart hang out alone. Well, it cuts right to the riot. But, like, why you didn't need the insert shot of the lonely laundry cart? Oh, so I so I thought that the lockdown was them looking for the escapees. I thought those two things tied together. But you didn't. So, like, but then show me someone discovering the cart. Like, yeah, no, I, it's I'm, not, like I'm they, not mad. They're like, here, we're going to give you, we're going to give you, like, a, a chocolate chip cookie with no chocolate chips in it. No, no, you can't do that. Honestly, every time there's this kind of goof up in a canon movie, I just assume that I don't know somebody didn't focus the lens, someone didn't. Then just cut out that sound. whole shot. Just drop the shot. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I, I, also, I just always assume it's stupidity. Why wouldn't they just trim the movie? Like, we, you would think they would want to like the. I think we talked about it last week. Trim the movie down to a tight ninety, and you can cram as many showings as you as you can. That's what's so interesting about this, and I I tried to find it, and I, perhaps it's been written about elsewhere, but I did I did genuinely try to find it, why this doesn't wiggle into the normal canon slots, and I do genuinely think that at some point someone watched it and was like, oh shit, did we make a good movie? Like, Possible. Not, not good in the sense of, I mean, I think there are many good canon movies, but... I like that kind of nonsense, but a good in the sense of uh, Oscar eligible type. Did we accidentally make a yeah. movie that people like, you know, and that might've been why this got a little more hands off in terms of the slicing it to ribbons canon business. Maybe also it's daytime now. Yeah. They escaped does. at night. And when they, when, and when they dove through the, through the tunnel, it's daytime. Yeah. What happened? Your classic, your classic Batman tunnel. 
or uh, that scene in X Men X or X Men Three, X Men Two, one of the X Men movies where Magneto lifts the Golden Gate Bridge in broad daylight and puts it down at like ten p.m. and no one did a thing about it. Yeah, no, it's uh, usually they hide it with a tunnel in a movie. At least they hid it with a tunnel in this. It's just weird. Also, we're an hour in, and I'm we're on my second page of notes. Well, we did a lot of dilly dallying. I think we'll end up going faster as we go. Also, they don't. Did they explain Eric Roberts not having shoes? Because it looks like he just has bad shoes. I think he just has bad shoes. But don't worry. Okay. He'll tell you 1,800 times over the next right. seven minutes. I need shoes. Yeah, see, man, man I, need, I need shoes, man. I just think it's wild this didn't read to you as Dustin Hoffman and Raymond. It's identical. Like, Dustin Hoffman does literally this performance. Gotta watch Wapner, 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 gotta watch Wapner, Wapner at six, Wapner, gotta watch Wapner. It's just, it's the same voice and it's the same F, like, speech repeating thing. It's possible. Um, also, they look like they're doing shitty Star Wars cosplay right now. Yeah, they're on, they're on Hoth. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's Hoth, it's Luke on, it's Han Solo on Hoth, that's Eric Roberts, and then John yeah. Voight is an X-Wing fighter in yes, his orange, it is. like an orange jumpsuit. I was like, what's Very happening? Very much. So they bust into this work, uh, like warm up cabin for the the train yard, and they steal some clothes. And Eric Roberts finds some shoes, and they find some hooch, and then they go to leave. And there's this long lingering shot of the prison jumpsuit just left on the floor. Well, also someone knocks on the door, and is it supposed to be someone from the prison? It looks like a couple of train riding hobos to me. It, you know what would have fixed that? A thirty second shot from the outside of the goddamn cabin. Or just not have this moment. Like, we just don't need it. That's can be said about a lot of this movie. But I, I was like, Eric Roberts, John Voight, you know, like, you gotta throw your clothes in the fire. That's exactly what I was saying. It's a, there's a stove. It's the old uh, cast iron stove pipe thing. Right. It's very, you crank that bad boy open, toss that shirt in, it's gone in minutes mm-hmm. at most. So they try to find a train to, ju- but that doesn't come back. That's not the thing that gets yes, them. Yes, it is. Who finds the shirt later? They say in the helicopter, oh, we just found oh, a, a, a okay. blah, blah, blah. We think it's Eric Roberts. All right. I must have been taking a note then. Because it is definitely Eric Roberts who doesn't yeah. dispose of it well. John Voight does. But you'd think John Voight would have learned at this point that this man's a moron and he needs to be exactly. more aware of what he's doing. So they hop on a train. And this is where we see a lot of train pornography. There's lots of dials and switches and knobs, and it's doing it for somebody because I don't know if you went on the Wikipedia page, but there is a section nearly as long as the plot that in detail breaks down the specific train cars Uh and their mechanisms. Look, here's the thing. Horse girls and train boys are cut from the same cloth. At one point, I dated a train boy, and it was not pretty. So... I don't want to yuck other people's yum. I play with Lego and I watch 80s movies and do a podcast a about them. I have people, no room. People will know what I'm talking about when I say just horse girls and train boys. The official stance of me on this podcast is that we don't yuck other people's yums. Everybody's got their thing that they like. I'm just saying this for somebody is doing something. Yeah. And like, obviously, I don't. We, we say it a lot that, like, I don't know a lot about that. The second we veer slightly out of our wheelhouse, it's yeah. just like a barrel down a hill of, oh, no, get back on track. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know trains. But the 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 train conductor, I don't know, who uh, pilot. 
So engineer, I believe, is the technical term for well, the Well, then what do you call the people who... I called... The conductor takes the tickets and does that business. Well, what do you call the guy with the computer? That's not an engineer. I thought he was a train engineer. The the guy in the... The guy from Flashdance? Yeah. He is the uh, dispatcher. But he, like, created the system of the... Com- the dispatch system. I call that an engineer. Whatever. <laughs> he may be... An, I'm just telling you that... I was like, my brain was like, oh, that's an engineer. Okay, so so the word for the person you who mean flies li- the plane. oh so that for trains that the you mean the engine ear is yes exactly I don't like it <laughs> so I, I I'm not using the term engineer the way that you use that as a generic job title I'm saying much like the word for man or woman who flies plane is pilot the word for man or woman who drives train is engineer I I literally just <laughs> that's, you that's watched that happen to, yes. So that so the so the the guy from Flashdance may also be an engineer, <laughs> that, yeah. but he is not the. Engineer. In my notes, I called him the train engineer because yes. Anyways, so the the man on the train who drives it has like starts up the train and then instantly has a heart attack. Yeah, it's he's not doing anything. I, what they needed was him like having to pump a lever a bunch of times, uh-huh. like just do something physical. And this man just like has this heart attack. Out yeah, of what, I mean, hey, maybe that's the secret message. Heart attacks can come <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> this the, the silent the killer. silent killer. You know what the real runaway train is, and this heart. guy just has a heart a tray disease. of fast food. Yeah, and the and the warning signs of heart attacks are different for women than for men. Well, there you go. They should have put that in the movie. Just so, you, like the whole like left arm, right? Isn't that is that heart attacks or is that stroke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole like left arm. I can't feel my left arm. Whatever. That's a a, a someone born as a man specific thing. Interesting. Well, anyways, uh, they should have also had Rebecca De Mornay have a heart attack so you could have experienced <laughs> right, all types of symptoms. So, but so he, I do, I do want to. So he like starts having the heart attack, and he he he's obviously having a heart attack. It's a movie heart attack, and he stumbles outside, and the the people see him as he's outside, clearly in distress. Like, what's going on with Bill? He looks like he's he's sick or something. And then they they the body falls off the train and it's the funniest dummy fall in history because it's just like two feet. It barely falls off the train and flapjacks. And I was like, the train's not moving very quickly. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So (laughs) he seems like an easy as he's having his heart attack. He pulls the brake on the train and then falls off dead. And these people are like, Oh no, we have to call dispatch. I'm like, Someone jump on this train. <laughs> it does seem like someone could have. It's like the Belcher kids when when Louise jumps off the train. She's like, "Here we go!" Ah, and oh, that was <laughs> this train is not moving fast at all. Yeah, like it yeah. just start. Like, there's no way a train can get that fast that quick. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Someone seem like could have it. jumped on this stupid train and fixed it. No, I, I do think I do think that's possible. I think it was mostly, oh my god, our friend is dying, and we're like trying to help our friend. And then the 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 time they realized that they had to, the train was also a problem. Yeah, it was too far. Okay, that is my guess. Um, so we get the mook from Flashdance at work, and this is what I alluded to earlier. Like I, as the person who used to work in newspapers, there's a certain energy to this kind of panic. I guess is the right mm-hmm. word for it that I have always like, I personally enjoy this. I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good in these situations. I am. I'm, I'm, 
I, I when I worked at the newspaper, I was always the, but I, I was always the guy that's like, oh. Someone just caught fire. I'd go run out and do the the thing. And election nights were always a big thing with like you, you know planning coverage and figuring out we got to zip all over town to all these things. So I I have always liked this kind of move. Like this kind of tension is something I enjoy in a movie. And I do think that mostly these parts work for me. I don't know that they are great, but they work for me. And it's I'm about uh, once every five years I need this kind of movie, and it's probably been about that long, so it just lined up right. You I th- know, I think again it comes. I I didn't I didn't get the right kind of tension out of these. Like no one's taking it serious. Like w- the people are screaming on the phone. Like that's the other thing. They call right away. Like there's a runaway train. Dispatch, come here. We got a runaway train. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's literally over your shoulder. <laughs> yes, yes. Someone can hop. I like Jesus. And so when he hears that, he's like, calm down. And I was like, no, like the phrase runaway train should be like a red flag. Well, I think part of it is the the dispatcher, the mook from from Flashdance has built this new system. And I think everybody thinks that he can stop the train. Yeah. And I, I think that was the other thing that was weird that all of a sudden halfway through, it was like, well, you designed this train system. And I was like, he did? <laughs> That could have been, I don't know, talked about before. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, if he, like, like I said, this isn't perfect. When they call in to say, hey, there's a runaway train. Oh, calm down. My new computer system can take care of all of this. Right. Ding. There's a, a 10 second line of dialogue that adds something. Yeah, I'm with you. Because later they explain away why it's not working because the train's brakes are failing because the conduct uh, engineer, rather, who was on the train was aggressive about keeping this particular train as rolling stock, even though it had lived past its life. And they're talking about like, he's the only guy who wanted to keep that thing around and now it's falling apart and we can't stop it. So I like all those pieces kind of work for me. I don't know. Like I said, it's not the greatest movie ever made. Taking a Pelham one, two, three is way better at this exact same (laughs) thing. Uh, Literally. It's another movie about a train control room. It's just the subway train, but I do. This movie could have been a like, a good concept for a universal attraction. It could be very Star Tours. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That that makes sense. I liked the visual of the computer program that controls the train. Yes, I love the board on the wall that we see later of uh-huh. how the train moves along with the flashing lights. That's really great. We cut back and we get John Voight and Eric Roberts talking, and John Voight calls him a creep because he's a rapist. Although I think they say rapo. A they few call times. him a well, so that. <laughs> He says, you rapos are always crazy. And he said, I'm no rapo. Where'd you hear that? And I thought they said rainbow. And I was like, <laughs> is that a weird way of ga- calling someone gay? <laughs> that would be the funniest way to do it. Right? No. Instead, er- Eric Roberts is like, nah, it was statutory rape. And I was like, "That's there's not enough explanation. <laughs> he goes, she was 15 and I was older. And I was like, there's not enough numbers in that sentence. Yeah, and also she, she was fifteen, drawing, I was eighteen. That's, and he's drawing he's drawing a heart on the window as he says it. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. He draws a heart in the steamed up window. Ew, you creep. Yeah. The, I was older is not enough of an explanation for this. No. I no. was eighteen, she was fifteen. Makes me feel I better mean, about this. I mean I mean I'm still a little yucked by it's it. It's still but gross, not, but like yes. saying it was statutory, you need hard numbers. And also, we are definitely aware that he is not 18 in this movie, so... Well, how long has he been in prison? 
I mean, I guess it's possible he's been in prison for seven years or something, but this looks like a man firmly in his 20s to me. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing when we did Ghoulies, and they were like, this guy's in college. And I'm like, he's 50. <laughs> that is a 55-year-old man. Get the hell out of here. Eric Roberts himself was born in 56, so he'd be 29 when this movie came out. Obviously, no. that his... Oh, you're right. Yeah, 29. Obviously, his real age doesn't necessarily correspond to the age of the character he's playing, but I... Anywhere yeah. near his real age is a, just a nightmare. But then there's this weird moment where, like, I thought we were getting character development from John Voight, where Eric Roberts is like, I'm just going to, you know, go to Louisiana, go to New Orleans, and I'm going to be, keep being a criminal and, like, get a, get some regular jobs, blah, 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 blah. And John Voight's like, no, you aren't. You're going to get a real job with blah, blah, blah. The only thing that you can do, like has this weird monologue about, like, get your life straight, get your life on track. It's going to suck, but you have to do it. And I was like, right. oh, we're getting a, like, fatherly figure moment out of John Voight. No, that just disappears like flash paper. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really weird. I, I think a lot of it comes down to they gave him moments that he could do monologues in this movie. But then, like, don't give me a monologue that tries... Because this monologue feels like, oh, let's give him some character shading. Right. But it doesn't do anything. No, I'm, I, I I think he performs this role well. I think it's a little underwritten. And I think it was just a down year for the Oscars. Yeah. Is the, is the ultimate answer to, there, you know... Yeah, how, like, there have been down years at the, uh, at the Tonys, too, so... Yeah. So they approach this switch track. They're trying to clear a path for them at the uh, the train station. And, then the, and no one, like, the dispatch tells another train, like, hey, there's a runaway train coming at you at 70 miles an hour. You have to get onto the second track. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever you say, crazy. <laughs> and then they slowly pull. I was like, so no one cares. Like, no yeah. one takes this seriously. No right, one has right. tension. Like, what? right. Yeah, it's very strange. The score also does this movie no favors, and I honestly think, I honestly think the biggest problem with uh, the the solution to the problem you have, John Carpenter, tension. <laughs> I mean, John Carpenter would solve it instantly. Yes, uh, this would be a perfect movie to bring him in as a composer. But I do think if you just took this exact movie now, trimmed five minutes out of it, because I do want to keep some of those long, lingering, beautiful shots. I think they're great, and I think it's a, a strength of this movie. You take five minutes of that out. You get this down to like 142 and because with the credits and all that, you get this down to like 142 and then you fix the score and then you've got a much more tense thriller. The score. Because at one point, we haven't come to it yet, but another point, there's like, they repeat the same beat too many times. But the, the another time where they're trying to switch the track, the, the, the song sounds like a summer rental soundtrack. Uh-huh. Yep. It's got this It's weird, like almost steel drum. It's a steel drummy 80s synthy beat. And they do it earlier yeah. too. I hate it. Yeah, yeah. So they hit another train. And it looks so good, by the, the way. The train crashes look great, but like wouldn't that slow you down? Only marginally, I feel. I think the situation here is we're stuck at full throttle. Okay. So so it will like take some momentum away but you're still at full throttle so it's gonna ramp right back up got it okay because also like in my head i was like there has to be protocol for for trains 
like like right well the 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 guy has set the train to its you know acceleration level which i think you know trains take a long time to get up to speed but he set it at like maximum and then he starts having the heart attack so he yanks the brake which should counteract it but at this point we see the brakes literally melt off the train i didn't know what that's what that was because okay all we're see so we see like extreme close-ups of the sparking train the whole time and yes. then all of a sudden a man like a man a train man like walks over to a, a hole in the snow that's smoking and he reaches in and goes ow and then they cut away from it and i was like no i, I need me the audience needs to know what that is well the dialogue right after is it burned through its brakes i missed that i was yeah. like movie <laughs> I think part of the problem that you didn't like this movie is you stopped paying attention a little bit to the Well, dialogue. when it's a two-hour fucking movie? <laughs> how dare you? Birds of Prey is like 105 minutes. You love that. And it's an, in- same it's an interesting, colorful movie with well with a great score and well-rounded characters. I I will I will push back on you on the it's colorful thing. This is the one of the five movies ever made, maybe not five, maybe it's more than that, but where this movie is set and the fact that it's on a train, it's not going to be colorful because it's that. It's it's got it's not your grayed out modern blockbuster. No, I'm just I'm just saying. So now we get the some bullshit of the guy who designed the computer system is like too proud to do stuff about the train, and I was like, this feels yeah. unnecessary. This yeah, there's a anything. little. Th- that character is kind of never given his own path because later there's the stuff with the warden that kind of like pushes him in one direction fuck off because yeah. it's not it's not this beleaguered train engineer's fault that you lost two inmates you little shit right right so his boss comes in he's all flustered and the older guy is like we're gonna derail the train he, his boss is big energy of clark griswold's boss in christmas vacation yeah, um, <laughs> I can't. Remember. He's got a very distinct voice. Murray, Brian Doyle, Murray. Yeah. So he's he's like, oh, we'll just derail the train. So they call ahead to this guy who, by the way, was in Halloween Four and also. Oh, really? Uh, was he the old man that rescues Michael, or is that not how is that Halloween Five? He's he's the Reverend. The Reverend. Yeah, I don't remember the character either, but he's the Reverend in that. Four. He's also the hobo in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I need to rewatch that. It's been a minute. Okay. Well, that's that's also a future episode. Oh, I'm sure. for sure. Anyway, you would maybe recognize this guy, uh, listeners at home. But they tell him like, "All right, go throw this the switch and and get and send him down this path." So he does that, and he has to like go manually yank this lever. And then they're like, the train whistle's blowing. He's like, "Hey, you guys hear this train whistle blowing?" And they're like, "Oh shit, put it back, put it back." And he's like, but, like, but like then also like, it. they don't think it's weird that the people on board the train haven't radioed for help in any way. I don't. I don't think that there is necessarily the communication method. There's a a phone in that booth. Yeah, but what would it be connected to? Like, how would the signal carry? I don't know. Trains? There's there's no <laughs> there's no wireless there's no wireless communication. I have no idea, but like, it feels weird that there would be. Wait, why can't there be? Ra- no, because planes. Planes have wireless communication. They radio the tower, but they have to be close enough to the tower to radio the tower. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know how it works. 
I don't know trains. We've 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 hit the limits of our knowledge. I assumed. Also, doesn't the front car get damaged? Hasn't the front car been damaged at this point? No, I don't know if it's been damaged, but it has another train wrapped around it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that is kind of a problem. And that's the thing. I, so there's all these like weird shots of this fucking train that like are from a low angle with like harsh lighting, and it looks like. The train is sentient and evil <laughs> and like killed it's, another train. It's, it's supposed to look foreboding. I think it looks I think it, worse. I, I, I was going to say, I was like, this isn't Christine the train. This is, <laughs> this isn't Chris train. That would be much, that would be much funnier. It's just the easiest problem to solve ever. It's just like, get away from the tracks. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I will say the Rebecca de Mornay character doesn't ever attempt to communicate with anyone. So it must not be possible because I she guess. is a train employee. She seems intelligent, but she's also a cardboard cutout. So she, well, she is, but she does at least know how the train works. The one, the one characterization detail they give her is that she knows how the train works. Yeah. There's an hour left in this movie. Yeah, well, it goes pretty quick from this part. Voight, so at that point, they Voight know looks like the board. Underminer in The Incredibles and Incredibles Two. At this uh, point, yeah, he does. Look he's got these bit. goggles yeah, on yeah. and a hood, and is he's like uh-huh. out on the front of the train. And then w- there's a moment that to me felt like a finale of like they're like this bridge can only handle fifty miles an hour. This train yeah. is going ninety. Like something's gonna happen. And there's a moment of like Rebecca De Mornay, Eric Roberts, and John Voight are like trying to hit the train coupler with shit to like make it detach yeah. so that they can slow down. So there's shots of them, shots of the control room, shots of people staring at the bridge, like trying to clear out people from around it. And I was like, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. this is a finale moment. Like this, yeah. this should be the finale of the movie. I thought what this was going to be was they were going to end up like jumping to another car and like the back part of the train breaking off and like, oh, that'd the be cool. train keep like the coupler snaps and they lose a car or two and the train keeps going because it's really the analog is the scene in speed where they have to make that really hard turn and they have to move oh, yeah. to one side of the bus and the wheels are coming off the ground. Like, that's what this should be. The like, oh, God, we're going to die. Oh, God, we're going to die. Oh, God, we're going to die. Mm-hmm. And you just narrowly miss it. And you're like, oh, I thought that was the end of the movie. But there's a little bit left part is what this should be. And yeah. it is. Instead, this is the act two finale. And I was like, oh, there's an act three. Right. Because they introduced this as a ticking clock. They're like, they're going to be at that bridge in this many minutes. And and I'm looking at the runtime of the movie. I'm like, well, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it, kid. They're not going to do two minutes of movie for every one minute of real time. That ain't that it, sis. It. But there's 40 minutes left. And I was like, right. what is happening? And so they're trying to cut the cables. We also missed the part where the 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 Rebecca de Mornay character, they see her trying to make her way toward them. And the, they have a fight about like whether to help her or not. Mm-hmm. Not that it's hugely important, but it does start the rift between the two characters that comes up later. Yeah. And then so like Eric Roberts drops the fire extinguisher they're hitting it with. And then Rebecca de Mornay falls. And I'm like, this is still boring. How is this yeah. boring? It's all the score. It is. It really as soon as is. you said that, you're 100% right that the score yeah. just like, the score just takes the, like kicks this movie in the back of the knees. I honestly think that if I spent 45 minutes digging through the music available from Incompetech, the place where we got our theme songs mm-hmm. for the show from, I could find music that would make this movie work better. Easily. Yeah. 
And and, and I, that's not because like the music there is good. The the, the uh, Kevin is a good composer. I say his first. I can't remember McLeod. how to say his last. McLeod. But it might be McLeod. Uh, whatever. M C L E O D. He's a good composer, and it, and the music is good. We use it on the show. I like it a lot. I've been listening to it for years because of the show. But it's just the score for this movie is wrong for it, is really it is. what it comes down to. But they do get the train slowed a little bit, and then there's this great shot. The warden has like tried to barge in. They were like, fuck off. We're trying to deal with this train problem. But there's a great shot of him like with his arms crossed, pouting through the glass door of <laughs> yeah. the office. I don't know if you caught that. I was like... Man, I wanted to come kill my prisoners, and all they want to talk about is the train. I think, I think for me, if you cut out this bullshit with the warden, I'm way more, like, I want the warden to get shut the fuck down by these train people. But like, yeah. hey, buddy, sorry that you lost two people and didn't do your job. Get out, because we're doing yes. our job. Right. And also, why are you in here? You don't have any authority. We're the train people. Get out. This is train business. Because then later he's like, where is the train? Hey, buddy, I'll give you two hints. It's on a fucking track and it's headed right. for this bridge. You do the math. Yeah. I The guy can see the board and and, and oh, he ends up like assaulting. He the assaults the man. Flash dance. Yeah. And but the the answer that he wants it's on a track. Just follow it. You're it's in a train a going eighty miles an hour on tracks towards yes. a bridge. Go to the bridge. <laughs> like, go backwards. You'll find this it. This is this is a high school math problem, bub. The train is going this direction at eighty miles an hour. It's a literally a high school math problem. I hate it. I hate like you didn't need that. But but you're right. You brought up like so the train rumbles across the bridge, and there's a little bit of cool stuff with the bridge kind of falling apart. But I wanted the bridge collapse. I thought that I thought we're that's watching what, a cannon picture I thought here. We were doing yeah, like what what is happening? And then uh, at this point, Eric Roberts looks and sounds like a young cousin Eddie. Yeah, like he's in the Did he's in the CW reboot of <laughs> the, <laughs> the teen the gritty movies. teen reboot <laughs> teen vacation <laughs> spring break. Did you, did, that would be, I would watch it. I would watch. Scary. I would watch a mini series of National Lampoon CW's Spring Break Vacation. It's like Clark. It's it's it, this is it. It's how Clark and uh, Bev, Bev. I, I yeah. But what's what is the, I keep wanting to say Audrey. Ellen. What is her Ellen? It's how they met on a spring break trip, and Eddie, her cousin, also came on the trip, and he meets his You're right. wife. I there forgot too. that he was her cousin. Yes, that's that's the answer right there. It's like you get the annoying cousin Eddie business. This is perfect. And this is honestly the movie they were trying to make for a long time and just didn't. The the vacation one, Swiss Family Griswold. Oh yeah, and then it can, and then the fir- it'll be the first the first version of the hot girl in a convertible, and her yes. name can be Audrey, and he'll be like, yes. I'll remember that name. Yeah, that's perfect. That's fine. You got to nudge people in the ribs if you're making one of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, there's there's very star trek sounds when we cut back to the control room i don't know if you caught that I but i had just i just watched the uh 2009 star trek and so the sounds were very fresh to me and i was like oh my god that's that so we get this is a big scene for the guy the mook from flash dance i keep calling him that but i didn't specify that he's the guy who works he's at the, cook. the weird club he's the cook who wants to be a stand-up comedian i think he's honestly i think he's pretty he's good he's pretty this good movie. this movie yeah 
Uh, so he gives this big, he does like tell the warden to piss off. And then he's like, I got to go take a leak. Watch the control board. And then we cut to him in the bathroom peeing. And it was just such a movie thing. The way he's framed. I'm like, oh, this, this guy's about to get attacked while he's Yeah, I was like, I was like, please don't. I was like, this isn't Tom Hanks. Don't make me watch him pee. <laughs> it's, it's him like from the. Perfectly the framed. Mid- mid torso framed but the the door looks so ominous behind him and i was like oh man are we gonna at least hear it first nope the warden like ninjas in there and smashes the door and and then he like gives him a swirly yeah and into I was his like, own I, pee. Just, I was like i was like thank god spoiler the warden dies we don't get to see it though how dare you canon yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the train and Rebecca De Mornay is like, hey, if we shimmy across the front of the, I don't know, whatever. We have to go from the one side to the other side across the top of the train, whatever, to yeah. get to the thing. I guess it's, it's your like, classic final beat of any of these things of like, yeah, you got to do the dangerous thing to hit the button to do. The th- it's like it, it's it's in every you have to cross the stuff. in Galaxy Quest. You have to cross the skinny metal thing to hit. Yes. The, yes. The, what's the called? I don't know what the button is called, but it they had a, it had a, a name, that I a can't funny remember. name, yeah. And so, I'm, but I'll, it's like this is this is in your Avengers movies, like Tony Stark. You got to fly through the hole and do the thing and yeah. do the thing, and then they I was can't like, back. like, there's no that. ropes on this train because ropes would make this a lot easier. Yeah, I would argue that probably not. Like, I think a rope would feel convenient to me. Why would a, like the logics of a rope being in a train engine? There's don't... a toolbox, T- rope in a toolbox. Yeah, but a toolbox. Feels... Toolbox I get. Rope I'd be a little bit like, Rope in right. a toolbox feels like, yeah, there would be rope in a toolbox. Maybe. My toolbox um, has no rope. So he's, so John Voight is like, makes Eric Roberts, makes Cousin Eddie do it. And he like shimmies out. And then what the door is shut, he's like, yeah, this guy's an idiot. A lot of, br- no brains, a lot of, lot of courage. And yeah. Rebecca DeMorne goes, that's mean. And I was like, for fuck's <laughs> sake. It's such a funny, weird line. What are we doing? And yeah. then so Eric Roberts is like, hey, I can't do it. It's freezing. My face is going to crack open. He tries First, he won't even let him back in. And Rebecca Bernay has to like jump on his back and choke John him Boyd a little. John won't let him in. And I was like, oh, so he's just completely irredeemable and a garbage piece of shit. So yeah. Rebecca DeMornay has to attack him. Again, score terribly. Doesn't offer any help here. He like no. roughs her up. So Eric Roberts gets inside, like crawls in. He throws in. her he throws her into the door on the other side and she smashes it with the her glass head. breaks. Yeah. So Eric Roberts crawls in and he kicks the shit out of him. He gives him the, he gives him the alcoholic dad speech of like, you're better than this. I, you're not my son. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, so we should hate, we should completely hate John Voight. Yeah. So like, I don't, his whole like sacrifice at the end, I was like, no, this is a, it's selfish. You're not thinking about yeah. anything about yourself and B, yeah. you're a garbage piece of shit. Like right. die. I hope you die. I hope your train explodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh. But it does, it does have a little bit of like, I don't know, samurai loner business in it to me of like, but samurais a- are like, aren't the whole point of samurais is like honor, right? Yeah, it's like living by a code. It's like it's like you watch Mandalorian, right? Mandalorian is just a samurai I have, I have, show. Yeah, but like, but, but, what, but John he Boy has doesn't a have a code. Well, John Boy's code is like I hate the warden. It's not much of a code. It would, but also like I agree with you. He he sucks. The character is bad. A bad person. Give me I, a I give me a code. Like yeah, I, I'm fine with a code. I just want one. 
we get into this big fight here and this part is where I really like this fight doesn't do much for the movie and it doesn't look very cool. So I just don't know what the point of it is. It's John Voight with a knife and uh, Eric Roberts with a wrench and they're like standing off and he's like, I'll beat you to death. Don't make me do it. I'll beat you to death. And it just goes on for too long. They all kind of give up and they're sad. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, will you, will this train crash already? (laughs) <laughs> I do like that Ava DuVernay because we're always Rebecca. bitching about how <laughs> you said Ava DuVernay. Yeah. That's a director. I, yes, I, see, I knew I was going to do that. That's what she my directed brain is, Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, my brain has been doing that the whole time. It's the 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 rhythm of it is too similar to my brain. Rebecca DuVernay. I will say, like we always bitch about this in the movies where the 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 female character just kind of stands by while a dude gets his ass kicked. She does jump in and bite John Voight's nasty hand and she probably does. get a bloodborne disease of some type. <laughs> she yeah, bloodborne path BVP baby all day. Um and then so she throws the knife out the window and then by god, that's the re- that's the warden's music because a man on a on a ladder on a helicopter. Yes. And I was like but like this doesn't it it just defies logic. It's it a train. Seems- it's going <laughs> to crash or it's going to stop, but it's on a yeah. linear path that it... <laughs> I think the warden like, is concerned what? that they're going to get off the train somehow. And then their will, legs are broken escapes. and their bones are dust. <laughs> I mean, I will say it seems survivable if you hit the right kind of snow. That's what I said. To, but Rebecca De Mornay was train. like, you, no, you will be a bag of soup. Right. Well, you got to wait for a curve and all that business. So it's not like, you know, easy to do. It just yeah. seems survivable. Also, I feel like I said maybe like all major trains like this just have like a giant parachute in the back. <laughs> that would probably slow like, it wouldn't down. Wouldn't that help? It would slow it down. You, clip, yeah, you just clip, create a lot you of drag. A little clip, 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 clip. Throw the chute. There you go. Not yeah, solved, I mean, but helped. Yeah, it, it would help, I would think. But so the first guy who comes down just cra- just slips and crashes into the windshield and then gets sucked under the train and we don't even get to see it. This is a canon Yeah, picture. I was mad. I was like, we this are a watching canon a canon film. picture. I was genuinely mad. Uh, the, 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 the dummy bounces off the glass and then doesn't get train wheeled. Yeah, and so now John Voight is screaming like having a monologue screaming out the window at the warden. And I was like, I don't care. I can't care. I don't care. He also doesn't give him the finger, which perplexed me seriously. So then the warden decides he's going to climb down the rope ladder, even though they're heading into a path of a patch of a hundred mountains. Yes. It's a pretty big time. I don't know why there's, it's like, why does this point It's just all tunnels in and out of tunnels sure then we cut back to the the room of the you know the train controls and they're all kind of like down and it's got i do think that because they realize they have to they have to crash the train right it's it's the literally they're doing the philosophical train 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 problem problem. (laughs) of like you kill three people whatever but the the problem i have with it is the way this is set up and the music it's one of the few effective bits of score makes it seem like this is the epiphany moment and it Mm -hmm. isn't no there is no epiphany from the train people but the guy from Flashdance is like watching tv and they're showing a space shuttle land yes i was like oh i was that's i think that's what i was like oh the parachute he's yeah. gonna realize that like they can do something to make a parachute like the like the right. space program does no yeah 
it 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 genuinely is set up in the movie to be the like oh I got it I got it I got it I got it we do this and then they like save the day and it just is it not. just doesn't happen no they just like they, they they they're done they're not in the movie again yeah. after this shot uh so John Voight climbs out the front because he's gonna fight the warden I guess we got a good hand crush well he says he's also gonna do the thing that the yeah. other guy couldn't. Because now you got a good hand crush. I don't want to gloss a great over hand over. crush. Although I thought he was going to come up sans fingers and he doesn't. Just which is stumps. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So he like hides and the warden James bonds his way in because this is an appropriate your use of resources. Yeah. Well, he just really wants to kill. He he and John Voight are at such extreme odds. They hate each other so much. They just both their only goal is to kill the other guy. And I just like again. It's a train. Trains are have to be on tracks. You know yeah. where the train is going. You know where yeah. the train is. Just, it just let it happen, my dude. Yeah, exactly. I do like that he pulls out a fire extinguisher and sprays the warden with it. And then that was a clever him. use of stuff. It's pretty, pretty good improv. It's also straight out of wrestling, which is good. The part that, of course, I can't believe you glossed over and, and didn't talk about is Rebecca de Mornay leaning on Eric Roberts. I mean, like, I don't want to die alone. Hold me. And it's just like, are they are we supposed to get romance here? I, because stop I, it. Cl- I checked out. I was like, no, <laughs> go fuck yourself. I, I think it's fine if it's genuinely like you're a human, I'm a human, I just want to die like in a holding like, someone. Yeah, like let's just hold each other and die. It seems better than the alternative. That's you know fine I mean? with me, but like, like it's just genuine human comfort. But it's yeah. not portrayed that way. No, and so John Voigt handcuffs the warden and he's like, We're all gonna die today with this name. <laughs> and then and it's then the warden is like, Hey, me. remember those two other characters? <laughs> Wait right here. I'll solve that problem. And then you and I will die with the train. You had the experience of, having, of hearing your bones crush as you feel the tight embrace of the snake. That's we're a quote. That's a quote from we're, Anaconda. We're going to burn to death in here. I cannot wait to hear the sound of your screams as you burn in front of me. So he likes... So he- he says the he train. Just can, he just can fix the problem now. He just he hops out there. It's just like pop pop, and he <laughs> yeah. uncouples the train. It's it takes like, no effort. He does a thing with a wrench that you think it's going to be hard, and then he just is like eh, and he pulls it up with his hands instead. It just pops right out. It's like unplugging an iPhone from its charger. Yeah. Just and like boop. Eric Roberts and Rebecca De Mornay come up, and John Voight like gives him a wave, like he's on a parade float in Disney World, like he's goddamn yeah. Mickey Mouse, and they're <laughs> yeah. like jump over to this train and i was like how there's we if 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 he had done it the moment he uncoupled he could have easily done that um but instead he would have been like two feet and he climbs on top of the train and like again jennifer love hewitt's himself on top of the train yeah and so it's honestly more like andy dufresne in shawshank when he climbs out of the pipe and he's got you know his arms out of except it's not because it's just in a wide there's no close-ups. <laughs> well, it wasn't John Voight. I think this is a stuntman. I don't care. Get, like, put him on a fake train. Like, this is... Yeah, they do They do, do fake train a bunch of times, like, rear projection style. Like, it could have been done. Sh- this feels like this should be, like, the Yoda sacrificing himself in the, in the lightsaber duel moment. That happened, right? Yeah. No, Obi-Wan. Yoda, Obi-Wan. Yeah, like, Yoda fights like the lightsaber like, in the prequels. Hey, 
have a good life. I buried the gold here. Like, right. something. And instead, he's just like, s- goodbye, everybody. I'm going to climb on top of the drain now. And he just climbs on top with his arms outstretched. I get and- to die the way I always predicted, on top of a runaway train. And so they cut. it's just like quick cuts from Eric Roberts crying with Rebecca Du Mornay. Oh, fucking far wide of this train. And then the prisoners, like a, a sweeping shot of prisoners leaning against their like bar doors crying. Yeah. And it's, they all seem to know it's happening. And it's like, well, why? no. How? That's, How? Yeah, that, does he have ESP? Is he Magneto or and, <laughs> Professor X rather? This is like he's sending a brain signal to his <laughs> Yes. It's in fucking uh, Cerebro. And so like the train goes off screen and we fade to black with a Shakespeare quote? Go <laughs> yeah. fuck yourself, canon movie. <laughs> it is, and the Shakespeare quote is too much by half. Yeah, I was like, you're you're not going to show me the warden explode in a train. But you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to give me a Shakespeare quote? How dare not, you? Not seeing the train explode was genuinely offensive to me. Yeah, that, yeah, very much. Uh, I think everybody knows by this point, but uh, I guess you're not going to recommend this one. No, it's two hours long and it's boring. I want to be clear. It is after you cut out the credits and stuff like 144. (laughs) Either way, it's but it feels like a full two hours because the score does it no favors. The pacing is weird and it's just like. A movie about two escaped convicts on a runaway train in, in the Alaskan wilderness has no business being this boring. Yeah, I, I, I really, truly think that if you, all you did was fix the score, you would like this movie. I think I think it would really help. Yeah, I, I, I'm giving this the lightest of recommends. I do think it's like unusual in its setup there are better versions of the taking of pelham 123 style you know workplace thriller mm-hmm. I, the for example the one i just mentioned that also is about trains but i i was surprised at how much i enjoyed this especially because you watched it first and texted me you're like oh my god this movie is torturously boring but i i was surprised at how much of this i did like it was more that i liked pieces than that i liked the movie, but I'm so used to one flavor of canon films that it was kind of neat to see them do something just completely different to me. That's fair. But this movie is hard to find, and so I it's not worth uh, the great efforts it takes to track down. It's yeah. weird to me that it's not available. I guess it's like probably there's some... Yeah, it must be something with uh, anything nominated for an Oscar that year got cursed. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, they just shuffled it off to weird. And anything uh, that oh no, because I was gonna say Back to the Future got nominated for yeah. best song, so I was gonna say anything that yeah. won the Oscar is just like yeah, cursed. It's gone. Yeah, it's the monkey's paw. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's stuff to like here. I don't think the it's Howard's a movie. paw. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it, it is it is interesting, and like I said, it just it's just fun to try a different flavor from the Canon family of products. I much prefer the other flavor. Which <laughs> yeah, the other you don't love as great. much as I do either. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I, I did it. You know, it's not like Cobra is way dumber and has a lot more fun to be had. This is not like yeah. a late night movie like you expect with a Canon. So yeah, um, and I'm yeah. excited but for yeah. next for next time because it's a, a movie I genuinely love. Right, I cannot right. wait for that after this. <laughs> 
we're heading into favorites buary, uh, the new uh, I know or you favuary. Yeah, I know you want to call it that, but mine is sweatier, and therefore I like it better. <laughs> uh, the uh, the first pick, given that your birthday comes first, that'll be dropping on February 8th. Uh, you want to tell the people what we're watching? We are watching Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, hopefully, I, we haven't looked into it yet because we do everything half-cocked. I want to do the, uh, the the director's edition, the Frank Oz, that is the true ending of the original Broadway or off-Broadway musical. If we can't find so that... if you can't find that, you can find it out there. The, yeah, the, the scenes exist online. Uh, it's It's great. It's great. I was in it in high school. So we're each picking one of our favorites. Forbuary has been retired because the only way to do it now is to get even sweatier than favorites Buary and do like television series and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we've retired that. It had a great run. And I think we checked off every legitimate part four sequel, except there's a dirty dozen one that might find its way in there somehow, some way, someday in the future. But uh, I just for now wouldn't be... For now, it's in it's in quiet retirement. The February, uh, which is fine. Uh, you know, we, we we had a good run together. It, it's uh, our it's going to be our Main Street Electrical Parade. We'll dust it off <laughs> when we when we feel like it. Yeah, it make it may well again. There's only one movie, and it's like that. And like maybe you can make an argument for some Cheech and Chong's. Yeah, even though they're was it Ollie Hoop Noodles one of the fours? Ollie Hoop Noodles Haven of Bliss. I feel that we are obligated to do because it has become a stupid joke that I've done multiple yeah. times, four years apart. So perhaps one day we'll check that off too. But again, that's a stretch to call it a four. But anyway, uh, so Andrew's picking the first movie in February, and I am picking the second, which we'll tell you uh, on the next episode. But don't forget to check us out on Facebook. It's Facebook.com/slash Dissecting the Eighties, and we're at Dissect the Eighties on Twitter. We love to hear from y'all. So if you want to uh, say hello, that's the way to do it. And if you haven't yet, please review the show. Uh, Go do it. Don't stop being so lazy. It's not that hard. You're capable of doing this. I believe in you. Thank you so much for reviewing the show. And I hope you aren't offended at my horrible Australian (laughs) accent. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.